Well, at this point, it's UCLA's biggest game of the season, and all you're relying on is a true freshman to go win in a place that you haven't done so in a long time since 2015. That's going to go right, right? Maybe? All right, let's talk about it on Locked On UCLA. You are Locked On UCLA, your daily podcast on the UCLA Bruins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to this edition of Locked On UCLA Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Anderson Yoxheimer. Thanks for making it your first listen each and every day. It's free wherever you get your podcast on YouTube, whether you want to listen to it on Apple, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you listen. Download, subscribe, leave a review, comment. Thanks for your support. And if you're an everyday, we've been talking a lot about Dante Moore, UCLA football, this being the biggest game of the season, and UCLA basketball season about to start pretty shortly. In the next month or two, this episode's brought to you by Game Time. You should download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the promo code Locked On College to get twenty dollars off your first purchase. UCLA heads into the vaunted Rice Eccles Stadium, going into Salt Lake City to try and take down the Utes for their first win in Utah since twenty fifteen. All they have is a three zero record, a ranked opponent to play in front of a team that has not lost there in over 16 games, already a couple of dominant victories at home. They've been selling out every game for six years, and the Bruins have not fared well since 2015, when ironically, the last time they won, they had a true freshman quarterback start in Josh Rosen when the Bruins were in the heat of a then Pac-12 South title race at the end of the season. Here, I think UCLA's got a lot more breaks and opportunity with Utah missing up to 15, 16 guys. Kyle Whittingham's been so throwing out that numbers in press conferences, whether it be his Monday press conference. Yet, Utah is not going to blow you out offensively. That's not going to be the case. Even if Cam Rising is back, I'm not sure he will be ready enough to go put up a 500-yard ridiculous superstar performance. What will be the difference here is how does UCLA handle with a young quarterback in a road environment making his first start against the vaunted Utah defense, which has already done great works against Florida at Baylor, although Baylor was also playing with a backup quarterback, and then Weber State, who had a pretty good rushing attack at the FCS level in a dominant win, which saw the Utes pull away late. So UCLA has had... Ethan Garbers once start there in 2021, making his first career start. So he knows what it's like if he wants to give some wisdom to the young Dante Moore. But UCLA has sent in youngsters time and time again to start against this Utah team. The Bruins had, what, a five-game losing streak before last year's win. In this game, it seems like the way for UCLA to win, the recipe for success, it comes down to Utah's defense versus UCLA's offense. And I know there's a lot of talk about is Utah with their potential redshirt freshman quarterback or senior quarterback in rising versus Nate Johnson, whoever starts. It's going to come down to, can UCLA score more than 20, 25, maybe it's a 30 points in this game and just hold Utah off versus if Utah keeps this game close, defensively keeps UCLA stymied, then the Bruins might be in for a long day, even if the Utah offense sputters with injured players galore, considering they've already done this against Florida, a 24-11 win, and a come-from-behind victory at Baylor when both teams were looking for a big win with their backup quarterbacks, and then more of a rest week, even though more players got injured at Weber. What's so special about this Utah defense? They've got 
pretty good players at every single line of defense, from the lines, their linebackers, to their secondary. And while their secondary might not be world beaters, considering Clark Phillips is no longer a part of that secondary, it's still a team that has to be reckoned with. They're amongst the top 20, top 20 usually in total defense. This year, they're amongst the top 10 in rushing defense, only allowing 65 yards per game, the Utah Utes. The Bruins come in amongst the top in the country, top three, top four, when it comes to yards per play in the country. Number three team in the country when it comes to rushing the football in yards per game. And yes, you might point to the fact that they just put up 400 yards rushing against NC Central. Well, I did the math. I pulled it out. Even if you take out that NC Central game, albeit UCLA still played a less tough schedule than Utah's played so far against Coastal Carolina and San Diego State, you take out the NC Central game, the Bruins are still averaging 5.8 yards per carry. They would have about 200 yards per game rushing-wise, which would still rank amongst the top 30 in the country just erasing the NC Central game alone with those maybe lopsided numbers of rushing for over 400 yards in less than 40 carries, which was just crazy considering what they did on Saturday in the 59-7 win. Utah has been one of the better defenses, ninth, I believe, in points per game, just behind UCLA against arguably stiffer competition, depending on what you rate the quarterbacks, the Weebers of the world, which is a generally much better program than NC Central is at the FCS level. And they've had sacks, seven sacks, 16 tackles for loss, four interceptions, and 10 pass breakups. So while they haven't been forcing as many turnovers as UCLA has, They've been hawks to the football. They make sure you don't go down their throats. And they have a pretty balanced D-line. UCLA has some individual talent that is, you know, the lot twos of the world. They've got some talent up the middle in the linebacking core. They've seen Davies slowly become and emerge as a starter in the secondary. Maybe individual stars lean UCLA's way. But Utah's a very balanced team despite all the injuries, offensively, defensively. Can Dante Moore go in there like Josh Rosen did back in 2015, the last time the Bruins even were close to victory in this series in Salt Lake City? The Bruins have been outscored 141 to 44, almost 100 points more by Utah when they played UCLA in Rice Eccles. So it's been almost a three score game since the last Bruin victory when Rosen won 17 to 9 in a game against the Bruins late. In 2015. Well, what does that mean? I, I don't know, quite frankly. The fact that UCLA has not really been tested so far, but they're facing an opportunity to where Utah isn't at full strength. This is primed and ready for a UCLA upset and an opportunity to where they can steal one early in the Pac 12 on the road, considering, hey, they're just not ready. Up and down every position, Utah is missing a key guy, maybe a starter or someone in the secondary. So the big thing is how much does Chip Kelly put on the shoulders of Dante Moore? To be quite honest, I'm not sure UCLA even needs Moore to be spectacular. He doesn't need to throw for 300 yards or three touchdowns in this game. He can more act, he can actually be more of a game manager, and the Bruins still win this game outright in Salt Lake City. If UCLA can lean on Carson Steele, who when it comes to yards per carry is someone that's Amongst the top of the nation, you go to Harden. Maybe the Bruins even sneak out Adkins or, dare I say, Yankoff because they've got multiple options 
athletic-wise. Yankoff, I don't know what it is, but when he runs the football, looks completely different compared to when he returns kickoffs. Different sides of athleticism, I don't understand why it doesn't translate. But obviously, the two, car- the two ball carriers will be Harden and Steele. And can the Bruins' O-line handle the pressure that Utah is going to bring from the D-line, from the linebackers, whatever it be? This is a game where it's going to shoulder and prove how physical UCLA can be. Is the O-line ready, considering the last, what, a couple of starters to the NFL, replacing some guys, the depth of the O-line will be tested against Utah. Can they give Dante Moore enough time to throw? And it's not like he's been pressured too much, but even NC Central on that last drive when Dante Moore came back in the game in the second quarter, laid a big hit on Moore, and that was a good sight for sore eyes, right? It wasn't a good thing to see that an FCS team that wasn't getting a lot of pressure still was able to get to Dante Moore. What is Utah going to do with their seven sacks? They've been one of the better teams at limiting the run. UCLA has done the same thing, but Utah's done that against bigger teams and arguably bigger programs easily, right? The Baylors, the, the Floridas, and Florida just went and beat Tennessee. That's where Utah's getting a lot of hype, just on the edge of the top 10, and they're not anywhere near full strength. You can already see Kyle Whittingham in press conferences, throwing out, we're missing this many guys, almost as a plea, maybe down the line, if Utah gets hot, say they lose one of these games coming up. They've got a ridiculous stretch coming up as well, like UCLA. They lose one or two. He's trying to say, we're not healthy. If we compete, we should be rewarded, right? I'm not trying to say that's what he's saying, but he's kind of said, hey, we are injured and beaten up. But their defense is strong enough to keep UCLA at bay, especially in Salt Lake City, a year after UCLA dominated the Utes, keeping pace, keeping them at an arm's distance, 42 to 32. It might not even matter who's at quarterback for Utah unless Johnson sits there and has the worst game ever. For the most part, it's going to come down to the true freshman versus a loud, crazy crowd. His first true entrance into the Pac-12 against the pretty dominant Utah defense. That's been good at forcing turnovers and almost becoming an offense of itself, which is why we'll talk about the ridiculous Utah streak coming up next and why UCLA has been involved in positive and negative ways in this streak when it comes to, hey, how many times has Utah returned a touch a interception or defensive touchdown for a score? We'll talk about that. Next, a Locked On UCLA. Snap into the NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Let me say that again. $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. And if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, the time right now is the best time to get in on the action. You can use the app. It's easy to use. And there's plenty of options betting-wise, spreads, player props, over-unders, Anything to appease your appetite. FanDuel.com slash locked on and go kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. Welcome back. Second segment of Locked On UCLA Pod. Zach Gators and Yox. I'm with you guys. Kind of detailing what's been this dominant Utah defense over recent years with the Bruins going in there, a young quarterback, a lot of new players offensively that have been dynamic in the first three games but will not face a tougher test this early this early in the season as they will when they face Utah's defense, barring they might get a couple of guys back after being maybe rested, recovering from injury, whatever it may be. This is a Utah team that now has a 20-year streak of returning and getting a defensive score in the last 20 seasons, right? Dating back to, what, the 0-4 season for Utah, 
if they were if they get a defensive score, if they've done and gotten a pick six, specifically an interception return for a touchdown the last twenty seasons, they are thirty six and three. 36 and three when they've gotten an interception returned for a touchdown. And if you remember, that's happened quite a few times against UCLA in the last 20 seasons, dating back to the 04 season when Utah was basically just getting on the map one of their couple of undefeated seasons way back when. UCLA, ironically enough, of the three losses that Utah has sustained when it comes to forcing turnovers that lead to scores, interceptions specifically, have beaten the Utes twice. It's actually happened twice in UCLA's 2013 win at Utah, 34 to 27. That was a decade ago from the dropping of this pod when UCLA, that was the last time they cracked 30 points in Salt Lake City. That was the last time they were able to get a lot of points. Normally, they're sitting within the 20 to single digit range, mostly in Rice Eccles. They just have not, the Bruins have had much success, especially since Utah has been a power conference member joining the Pac-12. However, when it comes to Utah with all these crazy interceptions returned for scores, just like Clark Phillips had in the late moments against DTR at the end of that game where the Bruins could have won that game by more than 10 points. They would have won that game by three scores, 17. DTR pick six, Clark Phillips returns it. Another one of his crazy returns for touchdowns. He had a lot of those in the most recent season for Utah, no longer part of the Utes because he's on to bigger and better things. For UCLA, they have been a part of quite a few many interesting games where UCLA beat Utah 34-27 in 2013, beat Utah last year 42-32 when it came to interceptions being returned for a touchdown in the same game. Even Utah back in 2012 when the Bruins had the Brent Hundley era begin, another freshman of sorts quarterback, redshirt freshman then, a 21-14 UCLA win in the Rose Bowl when it came to a fumble recovery for a touchdown for Utah. For the Utah wins when they picked off UCLA in 2011 when the Bruins lost to Utah 31-6 in Salt Lake City. 2014, the infamous loss where Kaimi Fairbairn missed a couple of field goal attempts 30-28 to in the Rose Bowl. The Bruins lost that one to the Utes. And then a fumble recovery for a win in Salt Lake City 2019, 49-3 Utah win. And then they even scored defensively into safety in 2021 when Garbers was that quarterback. What's that to say? All these things that Utah's defense has been doing, they've been dominant for so, so long under Kyle Whittingham that it doesn't even matter who's been at quarterback or who's been around. Whittingham has been around quite some time leading this Ute team, and the defense has been the name of the game, turning it into points, which is what Dante Moore and the Bruins need to make sure they avoid. Moore had a cup, had the one interception in the end zone against Coastal Carolina, had the strip sack when he dropped the ball on the one yard line against San Diego State. Luckily, the Bruins defense was able to hold up and make sure that did not the Aztecs did not score at what was still a semi competitive part in the game in week two. But what's funny is if you look back over all these games I pointed out these last decade plus, where Utah's had all these defensive scores. Four interceptions for a touchdown, two fumble recoveries, and a safety. None of these games that I looked at, I was looking pretty quickly, but I looked at these numbers. The Bruins didn't have a single defensive touchdown. So we talk about the UCLA defense being a problem. It's been inept, maybe not inept, but quiet when it comes to turning points, putting points on the scoreboard from the defense, especially against Utah, who's done it at least now nine different times whether it be a pick six, fumble recovery, 
or a safety. That is a recipe for disaster if UCLA coughs it up against Utah, who most recently returned a pick for a score against Weber State. That is how Utah would win this game and will win this game. Even if the offense is playing well, they could have Cam rising everything. It's coming down to the Bruins offensively versus Utah's defense. I think most importantly, the Bruins, if they get the opportunity, a little play action here and there, more playing off the UCLA run, looking for J. Michael Sturdivant down the sideline. Maybe Mokia Atamalala, who's coming back to practice from what I've read, might come in, but Cam Brown, Logan Loya, who had the big 70-yard touchdown a year ago. Maybe we might even see Matzeval with the big catch out of the tight end spot. There might be limited opportunities for these receivers to make plays, depending on how much Chip Kelly trusts his true freshman quarterback. Maybe Schley with a read option, couple of play packages at some point in the game near the goal line or short yardage situation. But it's going to come down to UCLA avoiding getting on this 20-season list of interceptions, return for touchdowns, or defensive scores for the Utah defense, and relying on this rushing attack that's pounded out 200 yards on the ground, just like Zach Charbonnet did a year ago behind a big, beefy offensive line, which is why they got to do this this time and not get down a score. 10 points, even if it's 10 nothing, you're going to be in that, oh, that's the danger zone, a loud crowd, a place that's going to be sold out, which it's been for the last six years straight or however many years, how many, many games, it's been, I believe, over 70 games of something craziness for Utah. Can they avoid the big turnover? That's the question. Not can they play well? Does Dante need to be the Heisman-winning quarterback as a true freshman? No. Avoid the mistakes. Rely on their strengths. Can the O-line play up to par with Utah's strength up front? And if they can, I very well think UCLA can win this game on the road. A very winnable opportunity. We already discussed that in the Monday episode of Locked On UCLA. Now, can they flip that and actually make that happen? Avoiding this 20-year streak of pick sixes, Utah's been finding ways to turn points on the scoreboard, even before Kyle Whittingham, but they've just been doing it for so long that I think they just tied the NCAA record of what Arizona State set from 2000 to 2019. So avoid turnovers, strength up front for the O-line, both of those might go hand-in-hand in, hand in giving more time, avoiding long, avoiding third-and-long situations, and UCLA can be in a very competitive game, hopefully on the right end of it, outscoring Utah and keeping them at bay, even if rising isn't available, which we don't quite know at this point. Got that, Capiche? We will talk about the Utah offense, what it looks like with Johnson, what it looks like with potentially rising, who has not played this year, recovering from his ACL injury, and they still don't even have Brent Keithy. And that's coming up in the next episode of Locked on UCLA. What we're going to talk about is, is UCLA going to steal another Big Ten quarterback in the wake of more Big Ten controversies football-wise? We'll talk about that to wrap things up for Locked on UCLA. Maybe you're thinking about getting last-minute tickets, you're getting a little crazy, and you're like, hey, I'm thinking of going to Salt Lake City. I'm getting pumped up. UCLA has an opportunity to go smack the Utes in the mouth. Well, if you're going to get these last-second tickets, then buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful, which is why you should download the Game Time app. You can get flash deals on last-minute tickets. You can find and view the tickets from where you're seating with the image view seats. You can get images of the seat views. The Game Time guarantee also makes sure you always get the best price. You find tickets in the same section and row for less. Game Time will credit you for 110% of the difference. All you have to do is download the Game Time app, create an account, use the promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. Again, terms apply. 
create an account, use the redeemable code of Locked On College for $20 off, download Game Time Today, last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. So while the title of the third segment might be a little bit of a teaser of sorts, UCLA coming in has already offered one of the former Michigan State, well, not former, actually. Let me pause there and say not former as of the recording of this podcast, but may be former Michigan State recruit. I know there's a lot going around Northwestern. That was a big, big news story coming out about the hazing scandal right before the season happened. UCLA then went and was able to get one of the recruits who had been committed in Jameer Benjamin initially to Stanford, and then they had the coaching change there. Then you have the change when it comes to Northwestern, and they grab Benjamin, who is a very good prospect for UCLA to offer out of high school, where the Bruins don't always go after the high school recruits instead of flipping them, and they've already flipped a couple of Big Ten recruits. Now you add in the Mel Tucker situation. I'm not going to really sit here and fully dissect how that happens, the Mel Tucker situation in terms of how Michigan State's intending to fire him, but that means that recruits are up for grabs. The Bruins, who have already proven that they might go after some of these guys and flip, right? They've gotten the the new the tight end from Wisconsin. They got Benjamin, who had been committed to Northwestern, and now they've offered the likes of the recording of this podcast, so maybe things have changed. Who knows when it's dropped? Reggie Powers III, despite being a Michigan State DB, commit he's a four star he's a rising four star when it comes to the the rankings for recruits the Bruins have been a little mum as of late when it comes to this 2024 recruiting class I think Chip Kelly making sure to be selective who he goes against they were able to get Dante Moore very late in the 23 recruiting cycle right or in the early signing period but later in terms of a quick flip when he wasn't expected to be at UCLA at the end of the 22 calendar season before he enrolled early, I think Chip Kelly is making sure, one, got to be selective. Now he's already very selective when it comes to high school guys. Books and ball doesn't always show up to the high school you know, games, and whether it's guys chat, you know, chastising him, praising him for his portal success, he's leaving a lot of those spots potentially open for guys who might stay for that extra year, for players who are expected to be in the portal and will join UCLA. That's just the expectation going forward, Chip Kelly, every year. But now you get this offer out to Powers, and you wonder, does UCLA know something? Is this somewhere where Powers is like, all right, a little bit of interest, an offer, and the Bruins might be able to snag him at the last minute due to the, the situation ongoing in Michigan State? Can the Bruins flip another Big Ten area guy, right? It was one thing for UCLA to steal the, Detroit, the Michigan native and Dante Moore, but from Oregon, if you think of Big Ten flips, they've done it with Benjamin, done it with the Wisconsin tight end, just off the blank of my head. And then you've got Reggie Powers, who could be the latest DB, right? UCLA was already emphasizing defense in 2024 in the secondary, in the linebacking core, and the offensive linemen. That's the big things. The Bruins have been getting a couple of skill position guys lately. I know Quasi Gilmer was one of the the big commits because of his humongous, you know, social media following from Sierra Canyon. But the majority of these commits for UCLA have been via the defensive side of the ball, replenishing the linebacking core, getting the secondary shored up, and then after the O-lineman and Powers would continue that shift towards that. We've talked about and called for an improved defense 
under Chip Kelly. We've seen an improved defense in 2023. Look at the numbers, looking at the total defense, turnovers forced by the Bruins, whether it be the two on against NC Central, the three in week one, the three in week two. So we've already seen an improved energy from the youngster first-time D coordinator in Danton Lynn. Now we wonder how that's going to go forward when you actually have to recruit the guys. It's one thing to bring the guys up to speed by coaching them. Now can you go get the best talent, develop them, and turn it into a vaunted defense mixed with the Chip Kelly genius of offense? The Bruins could be a, a dominant team if that ever meshes and coincides in Chip Kelly's coaching tenure. Could Powers be the significant shift along with already the recruiting strategy flip for the high schools in 24? I'm not sure. It looked like that would be a good get for the Bruins if that actually happens with a flip potentially for Powers. We'll kind of look at that and see if that situation decides to turn into a UCLA commitment after a decommitment for Michigan State. But for now, the Bruins, we've seen what it looks like on the field in 23. Imagine what happens when these freshmen come in and only know the Danton Lin way of things in the future, depending on how long Danton Lin's a UCLA defensive coordinator if he doesn't go get a head coaching job in the future quickly. Now that's racing way too far ahead, but for now, we've seen the, the progress. Now we look towards the future and we get excited. For now, the Bruins, they prepare for Utah, which is why if you're looking for the next Locked On UCLA episode, we'll talk a little bit of hoops. We'll talk UCLA's defense specifically versus Who's that quarterback? I don't know. Cam Rising, Johnson, nobody knows at the moment, despite Utah's depth chart being released with Rising at number one. We'll actually see and talk about who might play and what that means for two different styles, potentially, for UCLA's defense to prepare for. Not an easy job to do, but we'll talk about that in the next episode of Locked on UCLA. I'm Zach Anderson-Yoxheimer signing off, saying, all right, get your hands up, Bruins fans. Eight clap time, baby. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, U, C, L, A, U, C, L, A, fight, fight, fight. This has been Locked On UCLA. Hit that subscribe button. Thanks for your support. Download everything. Thanks for your love. We'll come out soon with a new episode. Zach signing off. Go Bruins.